2: Say that Goonies never say die. 40
3: going
2: on. fourteen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 215 of Forty Going On 15. Forty Going On 14. <laughs> You'll learn the name. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Patrick. I'm Joel.
0: And I'm Josh. And I'm not sure how this episode's going to go, but just to be prepared, I got myself a
1: shitload of dimes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I had totally forgotten about that scene, and then when I was watching it, I was laughing my ass off.
4: That's that's literally my favorite scene in that whole movie.
2: So if we'll you get if, to that. if you didn't pick up on that, uh, the uh, the show this week we are finally doing Blazing Saddles, and we are comparing it to one million ways. or I'm sorry, a million ways to die in the West. Because I went to the library to check it out and thought it was one million. I didn't know there was an a in front of it. So I was like at the number section and I was at the O section until finally the librarian came over and it's like, there's a letter A right there. Thank you. And I don't know how to library. (laughs) But if
0: you like libraries, you might also like the great shows on the Podcast Collective, which is a library of sorts.
4: It's a small Venn diagram, though.
0: Uh, On its shelves, (laughs) you will find such shows as On the Block, Dating Baggage. The Dog and Deuce Show, the Portland Beer Club Podcast, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour.
2: There are no actual shelves. I just want to let you know that. These are all virtual shelves. There might be some shelves. Okay, if you have your own shelves, but
0: on those shelves,
2: shelves, yeah, they could be like our older shows, which you can currently find on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, and Podverse FM. You can also give us a call. Someone... Let us know you're out there. I know you're out there. I can hear you breathing. Um, 708, yeah. now wrap. 708-669-9727.
4: You can hear them breathing? That's kind of creepy.
2: By them, I mean whatever's living in my basement.
4: <laughs> it's not me anymore.
2: <laughs> yes, so, it's a, it's mo- all I
0: can hear. <laughs> Kill me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I do want to give a call out to a one Blake Wilson Super fan Blake Wilson who suggested us on uh, Facebook to one of the uh, threads that a guy is looking for podcasts to listen to while he's in the car for six hours so thank you very much Blake Thank you Blake and thank you, uh, we, digital night we have yeah,
0: that's like four of our episodes
2: <laughs> yeah I know right uh, we also have an email from Tommy the Duck he says guys I've finally figured out how to get you to watch Howard the Duck then Howard the Duck now Paul. Think about it. They're both about foul-mouthed aliens who come to Earth against their will. They both are being chased by the government. They both have a hot chick, even though only one of them has sex with the respective hot chick. It's a no-brainer. You're welcome. Ducks to the front. Tommy the duck. Well, we know Pat has it on DVD.
3: <laughs>
0: so
4: do I. I got both of those movies on DVD.
0: That's a compelling argument.
2: I do. Not what do you think, one?
0: Pat?
4: I don't want to see Howard the Duck, so no.
2: <laughs> oh. now which way which, wait, which one be be of there. them actually has sex with a hot chick is that
4: leah thompson and the duck okay howard and leah thompson get on
2: now i'm um, now i'm confused because aren't duck's penises shaped in a spiral
4: not if they're space ducks <laughs> is that how it goes
2: a compelling yeah, argument
4: space duck normal penis i don't know <laughs>
1: I don't that's like
2: that's
4: like the 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 worst version of SpongeBob SquarePants to translate it.
1: I've I've never heard those words uttered space, together. Space duck,
4: space duck, normal penis.
1: Never. Normal duck, space penis. <laughs>
0: oh my god.
3: That's
4: how, that's how it translated in Czechoslovakia.
2: Got two ducks screwing in my backyard. They created a black hole.
0: Oh god. <laughs> it's about that time. <laughs>
4: This is what we missed from Josh when he was gone, corral- <laughs> the corraling the cats.
3: <laughs> music,
2: movies, and TV,
1: and sports. Oh yeah, are we still doing this? <laughs> you... I, I have to. My voice is shot again. You're still sick.
4: He's I... messing with your editing.
1: Time to get the filter,
2: baby. All right, so. Are we all, are we, is we all going to talk in sexy voices? That all is right. It's the only boys.
0: voice I got. Deal with it. I'll just have to <laughs> master <masturbate> to
2: this. <laughs> no.
4: My, my voice is just always sexy.
2: So I can't You're a help. wizard. That's right. So February 7th, 1974 is the date that we're going with. Uh that I is the I was still in the utero. Yes, you were.
0: I was negative 2. I was 2. Me as well.
2: All right, so now oh, that no, we. no,
4: not yet. We weren't two yet. We were one and a half.
2: Right. Let's be specific. So just in time for Valentine's Day. Blazing mm. Saddles.
1: Honey, let's go see Blazing Saddles. Oh yeah. So music. <laughs> All right, so That's music. I got a date. <laughs> well, the top song in the land of liberty was "The Way We Were" by Barbra Streisand
4: was to read it as is.
1: No, because I didn't write that. You changed my writing. Yes, I did. There
4: potentially could be a reason. Whatever. Do your own thing. Do your thing.
1: (laughs) The top song in the Sweet Land of Liberty was The Way We Were by Barbara Streisand. There you go. All right. James DeWitt Yancey, better known by the stage name of J. Dilla, or J. D, was born on February 7th. An American rapper and producer, he emerged from the mid nineteen nineties underground hip-cop, hip hop hip hip hop
4: I'd watch that from the hip 90- cop rock scene. <laughs> uh,
1: the hip hip hop scene in Detroit, Michigan right. as one third of the acclaimed music group Slum Village. Ironically, Jay Dilla died on February tenth, two thousand six, almost thirty two years later to the day. Yeah,
0: hey, he you can tell a- Joel wrote that, because that's not how you use the word ironically. <laughs> right.
1: Shut up, Ali. <laughs> <laughs> like
4: I, I left a lot of it alone. I was like, all right.
1: He was at his home in Los Angeles, California, three days after the release of his final album, Donuts. And according to his mother, Maureen Yancey, the cause was cardiac arrest. Officially, the cause of death was a blood disease. Blood I'm, disease, god damn it. I'm no sorry, I'm,
2: has... I'm looking for a spoon.
1: All I got is these forks. <laughs> Thrombotic, thrombocytopenia, Purpua. purpura. I
2: like how, since we started doing the This Weekend, Joel has slowly absorbed my lack of ability to say words. Absorbed.
1: (laughs) Right? I I know.
4: You've gotten better at reading, and Joel has gotten much
1: worse. (laughs) Uh, I I talk on the phone all day, and I can talk my ass off, but I try and read something, and it's like... (laughs) (laughs) Hip cop. (laughs) I don't even know what that is. Anyway... On Valentine's Day, Captain and Tanil were married in Virginia City, Nevada. Unfortunately, love did not keep them together. In 2014, the captain came down with a neurological disorder that kept him from being able to play keyboards, and Taneel secretly filed for divorce due to health reasons. Seriously, Taneel?
4: Yeah, so Taneel turned out to not be such a nice lady.
1: That's
2: like, I mean, seriously, like 40 years later? He didn't even it was
4: coming until, um, until he got the divorce papers. Wow. And the funny part is, is... It was medication related, and they were able to get it under control, and he's back to playing keyboards, and they're like on speaking terms, but he's like, "Nah, I don't want to get back together."
2: I guess love will not keep us together, huh? Just nope. like you said. That's, you know what though? I have, I have a kind of a sick love with of Captain and Tennille. Their stuff is so corny and cheesy, but it's a lot of fun to listen to. I, I yeah.
4: love, I love good cheesy corny. I, bad cheesy corny
0: is, you know, not good, but. Captain O'Neil is like the love boat of music. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Good cheesy corny. That sounds good. It's <laughs> my favorite soup. Sounds like. Sorry, I was.
0: All right, moving on to movies. <laughs> <laughs> the top movie in the Land of the Free was The Exorcist until Blazing Saddles took over the spot in the second week of release. <laughs> I was so tempted to leave out Land of the Free because I, I saw knew what it. you. Were... <laughs>
4: After Troll already decided he was going to fuck it up, I, I knew I knew you were going to fuck with
0: it. I was thinking about it. <laughs> Hip cop. <laughs> Seth Green, the vertically challenged, multi-talented, and multi-faceted actor-writer-comedian, was born February 8th in Philly.
1: I think the
4: world would be much worse off if we didn't have Seth Green.
1: I isn't, agree. Isn't that crazy, though? You think about this funny little kid actor... That turned into this kind of multi-mega-million-dollar guy. guy. Just,
4: just a prolific, always funny comedian.
1: I think he's working on Hip Hop right now. <laughs> you know what I like from him is that
2: movie uh, Without a Paddle.
4: Yeah, that movie was so much funnier than I anticipated.
2: Yeah, I, its
0: trailers really didn't do it justice.
4: My, my yeah. I took my mom and dad to see it, and we all were like, that was really pretty good. We, we did not regret it.
2: No, good stuff.
4: Like the scene when the bear carries him off like a baby. (laughs) All
2: right.
0: Arlene Judge, actress in such films as Take It Big, Girls in Chains, The Lady is Willing and King of Burlesque, was found dead in her West Hollywood, California apartment. She was absorbed of natural causes.
2: Did you guys see, I I think I sent it to you, the video of the guy who um, impersonates, what's his face? Joel Osteen? Yeah, the guy, he actually got all the way down to the front of the stage because he looks like Joel Osteen. He just walked in, and the guy that was with him was like, J.O.'s looking to get in right now. And they were like, oh, sir, certainly, sir. Come on in until but finally. If you,
4: if you notice, he very carefully never calls himself Joel, and he never, like, you know, responds to, like, he never says me when anybody, nope. like, talks to him. He just. Like his, his standard answer when anybody brings up, are you Joel Olstein? He's like, God bless you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he had, did an AMA on Reddit today. Yeah, I and mean, when that, people are really listening to the show, uh, that's on the
2: 9th of November. So, mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I, I didn't read it, but I saw that he had done that. No, it was yeah, pretty yeah, damn funny. A bit.
2: Especially because uh, Joel Olstein's security guys like w- waving his... Dick around squ-
4: yeah, like, you're not going anywhere. Like, I'd like to see you touch this guy because he didn't do anything wrong yeah you can watch the i mean I, I, it may be something in the edited stuff he did but in the in the the video that they showed he didn't do anything illegal he never once you know show said that he was joel Osteen they just let him through everywhere yeah.
2: I like he when he's looking it. for a beer yeah huh um, looking for a beer in here Joe's <laughs> looking for a beer <laughs> Fuck right.
0: Amber Evangeline Valletta was born on February 9th. She's an American fashion model and actress. During the 90s, she reached the status of supermodel, working as the face of Giorgio Armani, Chanel, Louis Vuitton, Prada, Valentino, Gucci, and Versace, and signing multi-million dollar cosmetics contracts with Calvin Klein and Elizabeth Arden. After co-hosting the MTV show House of Style, she landed her first major film role in What Lies Beneath. She has since appeared in Hitch, Transporter 2, Man About Town, Gamer, and the acronym, acronym of the week, TSND, which, of course, is Testicles Smush North Dakota. <laughs> oh, yeah.
4: Now that would be like like accurate for the Rick and Morty episode, with Anatomy Park, when he blows him up. <laughs> Testicles Smushing North Dakota. But that's actually the spy next door. Sorry. Uh pretty close. I don't, uh, this is, how many weeks in a row is this that you've been wrong?
0: Uh lots.
1: 200?
2: <laughs> <200.
1: 200. laughs> is there is there uh, a in the second 2000s, wait, she wait.
0: had moved on to television appearing on soap operas on ABC.
2: Is Amber Evangeline Valletta... Is there a, yeah. is there another movie because there's a movie with called What Lies Beneath and it's got Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer in it. I don't yeah, think this that's is the a... one. it yeah. is. She's the yeah, other that, woman. That,
4: yeah, that's it. Uh and then she appears as a uh, undead woman later, right?
1: Yeah. She's oh, the God. the woman he's having an affair with, but, and he, I think he kills or she dies, and then she. Yeah. Keeps...
4: It's some kind of like psychological thriller type movie. Now like you spoiled it. Kind
1: of, it's pretty effective, actually. I have it on DVD. Of course you do. It's <laughs> it's actually really good. I, oh, I was surprised sure. at how creepy it was.
2: Oh yeah, sure Joel. Okay, cool. Should have.
1: <laughs> I kind of vaguely
0: recognize her. All right, on February tenth. Uh, There was the birth of Elizabeth Banks, American actress known for such movies as The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Zack and Mary Make a Porno, The Hunger Games, and many more.
2: Zack and Mary Make a Porno is one of my favorites. It is funny. Yeah, she
0: is an incredible actress. She's very good. I was surprised (sighs) at how good she is, and I think that she's going to gain the respect I feel she deserves as her career progresses. And
4: she's just straight-up gorgeous.
0: She's cute.
1: Yes, she is. So TV. She's an
4: actress, gorgeous. She's got she's the whole package.
1: whole package. She'll be starring in Hip Hop. <laughs> produced by Seth Green. So uh, TV, the top shows
2: in the land are The Racist and The Ethnics. Um, <laughs> 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 it's not wrong. Top shows in The Home of the Brave were All in the Family, Sanford and Son, Chico and the Man, and The Jeffersons. <laughs> That is. Ah, there's a song.
4: lot of racism in that.
2: Yep. There's a lot of racism in all of it. Um, just because it's a theme song doesn't mean it's not true. Uh, <laughs> outside
1: of Chico and the Man, I enjoy all those movies. I mean, all those shows. I've never seen Chico and the Man. I know about it, but I've never seen it. It's okay. I watched
0: it on um,
2: syndication.
1: Yeah, it was all right. it's all right. That's all right. Sanford and yeah, Son is definitely better. Before.
2: Yeah. So, I, mean, all, yeah, yeah, the, I do yeah. have to say, All in the Family is probably my favorite out of all of those.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Huh? For me, probably The Jeffersons. Oh, Jeffersons yeah. is good, but you I, see, there's I always a, found
4: George Jefferson greeting.
0: That's kind of the point, though. Yeah.
4: I know, but I mean, uh, doesn't mean I have to buy into it.
1: I mean, see, Sanford I and Son. To... I'm coming for you, Elizabeth. Yeah, Sanford and Son was my jam. That's dummy. Your shirt sure looked like a curtain.
2: All in the family because Archie Bunker was literally my grandfather. Same here. Yep. So you guys have uh, the same grandfather? Holy shit! Are we brothers? <laughs> Whoa! Did we just become best friends? Yep. yep. <laughs> so much room to do activities. All right. So on February eighth, Good Times premieres. Dynamite! Boom! Belly man. full of
4: white dog shit. You lay this. <laughs>
2: Is that a good times thing? Is that a quote? (laughs) No, sorry, Stepbrothers. (laughs) Uh, After 20 years, sorry. Okay, are you done? Maybe. Maybe.
0: Would you like to say something about rerun? (laughs) Cops was on.
2: (laughs) After 20 years, the soap opera, The Secret Storm aired its 5,000th, 195th, and final episode on CBS Daytime. The show was replaced 10 days later by Tettle Tales, which we've talked about before, which is a game show hosted by Burt Convy. The Brady Bunch is also absorbed.
0: Huh. I've never heard of The Secret Storm.
1: I had to look it up, because I'm like, is that fake? Because that number is like just so like specific. And I looked it up, and it's, that's a true thing. Hmm. i never heard of it. Yeah, that many episodes. That's we've crazy. talked
2: about Tattletales before.
1: Because it was like, episode, it yeah.
2: lasted like, oh no, I take that back. It lasted eight seasons. What am I thinking about? Huh. Shirt Tales? Don't you talk shit about Shirt Tales, man. All right. So the granddaughter of American publishing magnate, William Randolph Hearst, Patty Hearst, is kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army on February 4th. They demanded a ransom of $70, $70 for every needy person in California. She then later participated in a bank robbery with her kidnappers for which she was later convicted.
1: A little uh, Stockholm syndrome or was it all a farce? Yeah, I, I, when I when I saw that, I'm like $70. That's not much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That threw me.
2: Symbionese. That's all I got, guys. I'm I'm good. Hey, Pat, you <laughs> want to say anything?
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right then
4: moving on to sports in its last year of usage the cleveland arena sees the smallest ever attendance at a regular season game in the modern area era of the nba when only 1641 people watched the cavaliers lose to the golden state warriors 99 to 104 there were probably more employees in the building than that
2: whoa is that but that doesn't seem like a too big of a gap in a basketball game is it
4: no the game was close but i mean there just weren't that many people there to even watch it
2: so the cavaliers were just didn't have a lot of fans
4: both at the, at that point in time both those teams uh were lottery teams they stunk on ice and
2: you know, well I mean,
4: seeing that this was
2: i brand, would go see went... basketball being played on ice personally i think <laughs> that would be
4: Seeing as this was February in Cleveland, it was probably horrible weather. People were like, I am not going to fare this weather to try to watch this horrible team play.
1: That'd be my guess.
0: Okay. But they're against horrible things. Why do they live in Cleveland?
1: (laughs) Because Cleveland rocks.
2: No. That's just propaganda. I've been to Cleveland. You've been lied to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Drew Carey, you bastard.
4: Don't believe everything Drew Carey says. Oh, shit. Steve Nash, Canadian-raised former NBA two-time MVP and former player for the Dallas Mavericks, Phoenix Suns, and L.A. Lakers, was born in Johannesburg, South Africa on February
0: 10th. (laughs) On, period.
4: (laughs) Yes, I forgot to fill that in. It was February 10th. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Steve Nash is one of my probably top ten favorites of all time in the NBA.
2: Was he the father of the wrestler?
4: No, 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 that's a different, uh, that was... Uh,
0: that's Kevin Nash.
4: Kevin Nash, thank oh.
1: you. Yeah. Yeah, One of my was, top ten favorites. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Crosby, Sills, Nash, and Young.
4: <laughs> no, that What's, was his uncle.
1: That's Graham Nash. <laughs> yes.
4: They're the things that go go on s'mores. No, that's a Graham Cracker. I'm sorry. Nash. Nash? <laughs>
1: Nash. <laughs> Nash Bridges, that was a show starring Don Johnson.
4: Nisi Nash, she played the sheriff, or not the sheriff. She played one of the deputies in Reno. I,
2: I, I think I think we've worn this one out. Nash
0: skateboards were pretty awesome in the eighties.
2: Oh, we're back. I'm
3: <laughs>
4: mash was a show about the Korean War.
1: And hell, you gnash your teeth. Way That's to kill ganache. it, Joel.
4: That's ganache. Ganache is a flowerless chocolate.
0: Damn it, Pat! <laughs> You're interrupting yourself. <laughs>
4: I've gone Inception style. I'm I, I'm inside myself like Charlie Kaufman.
0: <laughs> I'm
4: trying. All take right, this warm,
0: home keyboard.
4: No, we're not done. I got one more. Oh. On February 5th, then 13-year-old Mats Wormerlin of Sweden scored all 272 points in a 272-0 win in a regional boys basketball tournament in
1: Stockholm. I looked that one up, too, to verify it. And there were tons of news stories about that
4: yeah but no video and no real documentation no anything like i it's kind of i mean it's possible but you would have to have a team that's literally playing no defense or offense and just letting you score at will
1: well if you get some shitty teams in and boys basketball when i was in grade school uh we had a guy that was like a spud webb kind of real short dude but he could play ball and we it was like 52 to zero in a game. So it's, it's, that's a little insane, but.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's a, there's a tradition in uh, women's college basketball um, at some schools where, like, the last game of the senior year, they let their best player score as many points as she can. And Cheryl Miller, Reggie Miller's sister, um, who actually, funny enough, is a better player than him, but she couldn't play in the NBA because it wasn't allowed back then. Anyway, she once scored a hundred points, and that was just in one half before the other team just
1: forfeited. <laughs> we give up.
0: Yep. I'm just thinking of even the intramural game where our dorm floor uh, lost because almost all of us had been fouled out of the game.
2: (laughs) Remember that? That was awesome.
0: Yep. I fouled out by clotheslining a dude. Do
2: do you remember when we were doing the hockey game and we had to take...
4: You fouled out, Josh, because you were tired of running. You're like, I'm done. And you just clotheslined
0: someone. (laughs) I thought it was defense.
2: <laughs> do you remember when we were playing hockey and Rev got the puck to the nuts and we just canceled the game and ran him back up to the floor? Yep. Had to put a can out. Of... There,
4: there were a lot of crotch-related injuries.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so when do we have kids? All right, take us out, Inception Joel.
1: Nut, 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 nut. Wait, stop that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like that. I, I need that as a button. Oh, God. Oh, boy.
0: We're on the slope. (laughs) Let's talk about Blazing Saddles.
2: Yes! Let's do that. So, Blazing Saddles, 1974.
0: Let's whip
4: this out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) In order to ruin a western town, a corrupt politician appoints a black sheriff who promptly becomes his most formidable adversary. True story. This is directed by Mel Brooks, who has directed everything you've ever laughed so hard you've cried at. True story. Yes. Um, some,
4: some of the best comedies of all time.
2: Spaceballs, <laughs> History of the World Part One, The Producers. Um,
4: Young Frankenstein.
2: Young Frankenstein. Farbruka. <laughs> um I am kind of a big. Uh, well, uh, he also. Well, he did a voice in. Sherlock Holmes, silent, smarter silent brother. movie yes silent movie the only movie in which marcel mosheau is recorded actually saying a word
4: Yep, robin hood men in
1: tights yeah Yeah, i think it's a fair bet that we're all fans
2: to be or not to be which i love because they sing um oh what do they sing in polish in the beginning of that i don't know oh. Oh. i don't know oh sorry all,
1: all i thinking about is hitler on ice from history of the world oh that's fantastic
0: yeah, and we just don't talk about Life Stinks. Duh. That movie actually
4: had some pretty funny moments, but overall not real good. But yeah, some funny moments.
2: So, Blazing Saddles, written by Norman Steinberg, who's known for Outside of Blazing Saddles, My Favorite Year, if you ever get a chance to see it, see it, it's actually uh, really good. And Johnny Dangerously.
3: <laughs>
2: Do you know your name is an adverb? <laughs> my mother hung me on a hook once. Once, uh, also Andrew Bergman, who's known for striptease, honeymoon in Vegas, and The Freshman, and a one Richard Pryor, which I'm with. Uh, who was it, Josh? Yeah,
0: did... I said that, that all these years I had never known Richard Pryor was involved in the writing of Blazer, Blazing Saddles. Yeah, are you
4: serious? Do you not know the story behind that?
2: no
4: oh, oh yeah. It's wait great.
2: everybody uh, gather around uncle pat's telling yeah. stories <laughs> oh
3: yeah
4: they had they had they had most of the, the of the script written already and they were uh they were kind of troubled by the fact that you know it was a bunch of bunch of white guys and jewish guys that had written a bunch of really racist shit so they're like we need to get somebody in here and they and they hired richard Pryor. they're like you know to give them the stamp of approval and everything that they had been given in there and he's all like yeah whatever and what he mainly wrote was all the Mongo stuff.
2: Yeah, he came. Really? I saw that in the yeah. trivia that he came up with Mongo.
4: Yeah, I mean that was his main contribution to the to the entire movie. He didn't you know, he didn't write any of the really offensive shit or not, you know that he just he came
2: they're, up
4: they're like we we need somebody we need our token black guy to say it's okay that we did all this racist shit. <laughs> wow. And Pryor was like, yeah, okay, I'll sign you know, sign me a check.
2: Yeah. So uh, also Alan Uger. Uh, who is kind of kind of the weird one on this? Um, he is known for Blazing Saddles and Family Ties. Twenty nine episodes of Family Ties, out of Great the forty eight, so he wrote like half of them.
1: And Mel Brooks too.
2: And Mel Brooks. Well, yeah, we didn't we... write Mel Brooks.
1: No, Mel Brooks was one of the writers. Oh.
2: Now we this is actually in a month the second time we've had a on Little movie. Yep. on Little, uh previously from our once bitten show in a very different role yep kind of strange uh gene <laughs> wilder moment of silence for gene oh yeah as jim slim pickens awesome as always as taggart harvey kerman corman as hedley lamar madeline Kahn is lily van Stupp. mel brooks is governor lepetemain and the indian chief Bert Gilliam is Lyle Alex Karras is Mongo David Huddleston is Olsen Johnson (laughs) I think it's hilarious Liam Dunn is Reverend Johnson John Hillerman is Howard Johnson George Firth (laughs) is Van Johnson Jack Start is Gabby Johnson Carol Arthur is Harriet Johnson Richard Collier is Dr. Sam Johnson and Charles McGregor is Charlie I don't know Uh, Robin Hilton as Miss Stein. Don McGowan as the gum chewer. Dom DeLuise as Buddy Bizarre, which I, to this point, did not know that that was actually his name. I just thought it was just Buddy. And then Count Basie as Count Basie. Alright, now the rest of this is going to be how awesome is Blazing Saddles?
0: (laughs) Well, before we move on past the cast, the day I realized that Mongo and the dad from Webster were the same guy... (laughs) Really? You didn't realize that? <laughs> no, it blew
2: my mind. <laughs> when did you did you come up with that? When just I mean just now you knew that? No, it, but it's
0: not that long ago.
2: Okay, that's fantastic. And then uh, John Hillerman as Howard Johnson, as we know, is um, Higgins from Magnum PI.
0: Oh yeah, he's like everywhere in
2: the uh, 70s and 80s. Dude, why haven't we done a Magnum PI show? mm, oh. that's as good as the answer as any. I blame Joel. Let's do I, that wait what <laughs> it's definitely Joel's fault wait, what
0: you know what you did,
1: hey, uh Pat, oh geez. John Hillerman just died. what a lot of people in the cast are dead now, unfortunately,
0: and when I say just died, I mean like today what what
4: ah, timing
0: Ah. <gasps> <gasps> Yeah, John Hillerman died November 9th, 2017 in
1: Houston. Wow. It's oh all over God. Google. You click on his name in Google and it's like eight hours ago, four hours ago. Yeah. Oh.
2: What wow. the heck? We didn't do this, did we? <laughs> oh, shit. I hope not. <laughs> I would feel so bad if we killed Higgins.
1: Oh, crap. You know what that means? No. Seth MacFarlane is going to be dead soon. I don't know how I feel about that.
0: I don't feel so great about that.
1: Um. The
2: only thing that can save me is Patrick doing his best Gabby Johnson impersonation.
4: <laughs> and no Russian Frizzin trigger
3: trigger is going to freeze
2: I just want to be grateful that all these children here were here to hear that authentic country gibberish. <sighs> uh, Wilson Johnson is right. <laughs> <laughs> <Rosin> frozen, Frozen. <laughs> all right, so some trivia. On the day that the Warner Brothers Studio Commissary... Oh, one day, I'm sorry. One day in the Warner Brothers Studio Commissary, Mel Brooks and the other writers were seated at a table opposite John Wayne. I don't know, in in the trivia says, the Duke. (laughs) So uh, John Wayne turned and said he'd heard about their Western, in the one where people say stuff like, blow it out your ass. Mel handed the Duke a copy of the script and said, yes, we'd like you to be in it. According to Mel Brooks, the Duke turned it down... Turned down the offer the next day by saying, nah, I can't do a movie like that, but I'll be first in line to see it. That was my Pardon. best John Wayne. Joel, don't do it, John Wayne. It's just going to sound like Woody Allen. I, I can't do any impressions right now other than the cop from Futurama. <laughs> so, I don't know how that would have been. If you imagine this with with John Wayne in it, that would have been kind of crazy.
0: I just have a question for you guys if you're still looking at the cast pictures.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Why is Carol Arthur
1: Willem Dafoe? <laughs> She's not. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Aw, she <Okay>. is.
4: Pat <laughs> <That> sees it.
1: <laughs> I looked, but. Uh,
4: that's the Green Goblin
0: right there.
2: Yep. Aw, uh, poor Carol Arthur. Yeah, look up Carol Arthur on IMDb <laughs> listeners. She's hey. totally Willem Dafoe. She's still around, too. You
4: are the leading asshole. <laughs> State.
2: <laughs> this movie is so quotable um so after promising warner brothers that he would edit out several offensive scenes such as the Im- infamous farting sequence mel brooks in fact never cut a single scene except one after the room is darkened and lily madeline Kahn, informs bart it's Two, it's true bart cleavon little quietly states you're sucking on my arm the scene was later added back into the home video release. That's why I remember it. That's amazing. I mean, in the middle of it, are you really going to tell, in the 70s, are you going to tell Mel Brooks to do anything? So, supposedly this movie officially marks the first time the sound of farting has ever been used in a film, at least according to the filmmakers in the documentary. According to Mel Brooks, they came up with the idea after watching numerous old westerns where cowboys only consume black coffee and plates of beans, concluding that such a food combination would in, inevitably lead to farting. Is that true, Mike? That is incredibly true as a consumer <laughs> yeah, of black coffee and beans, which is another reason why I always have a seat to myself on the train. Ooh. It is. Wisdom. My personal favorite is doing the low rumbler when you keep it all tight and it only you don't hear anything, but you feel it in the seat. And then they Just look at you. And it
4: warms and, the back of your back. Uh huh. Bottom of your back.
2: You guys know what a, a Dutch oven is, right? Yes. Uh, have you ever been chimneyed? That's when your wife or a significant other like nuzzles up right in front of you, and you put your arm around her, and you're all warm, that sort of thing. And then she rips ass and it goes right up the middle of the two of you. No. Nope. Nope. That's my fetish. <laughs> All right, so the sound effects for the famous windbreaking scene of which we just spoke were added in in the cutting room by Mel Brooks and anybody who seemed to be passing by at the moment.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Could you imagine being in the studio walking past one of the cutting rooms and Mel Brooks and be like, and you come in here and fart for me?
4: Uh, <laughs> well, how, how about, like, you, you know, you get to tell your kids, I guess, I watch the movie, you hear that one? That one was me. <laughs> And then they're later like watching Blazing Saddles with their friends like, that fart was my dad.
2: Yeah, it's he never true. shuts up about it. <laughs> so I hate, I'm going to ask this because we ask this in every movie show. Is this the first viewing for any of us? No. Got uh, it. I'm
0: not sure that's actually possible considering I think the four of us have watched it together at least once.
1: Very true. It's the first time I've seen it this year? Yeah, for me too.
2: Not we- me. Yeah, we watched it. Honestly, we watched it, like, a week before we decided that we were going to watch it for this week. Yeah. It's a regular occurrence in my house.
3: Yeah,
4: I've watched this movie. As, it's, it's one of the top three movies of all time that I've watched as far as, like, number of times I've watched it.
2: Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you know what the thing is? You always know what's going to happen. You always know what's coming up, but it's always funny.
4: Yeah, I mean, I can practically almost... Just recite the entire thing. I I do it when I'm by myself. Just about 90% mm-hmm. of it, just recited. and I still find it hysterical. I don't care that I know every single line. It's still it's still
2: hysterical. It, it's still a riot. Yes, it really is. Now we watched it with my girls not too long ago. It was like last year. Last year? No, it's been longer than that. Like Katie was like 13, and I decided that it's about this time they need to watch this. I'm like, Suzanne's like, Sophie's only nine. I'm like, so I had seen it twice by that point. <laughs> right. yeah exactly seriously so we put it on and we had a disclaimer before and I had to get them we like alright you gotta understand it was 1974 things were different words were okay then that weren't now well kind of okay Think, I mean just a little bit of a disclaimer about this movie and now welcome to the movie that's going to make you laugh harder than you've ever laughed before in your life and the thing is, I recall the first time I saw this movie was on like CBS, when it was only like 20 minutes long, and they cut out all the fart noises. <laughs> so I didn't understand. Initially, I was like, "Yeah, it was kind of cool," but didn't get the whole thing until it wasn't until VHS came out. The first time I saw it fully and totally with the fart scenes and everything. So.
4: I've never seen the edited version. My dad had the VHS, so. I mean, I've, I've never watched on television. I always watched, you know, either on DVD or VHS. So the I didn't even version. know. What?
1: the real version. Yeah,
4: I've, you know, I mean, we had, uh, we had a, a, a DVD, one of the first DVDs that had like all the, a lot of the deleted scenes and everything, and all the extra Mongo stuff. Because there's all kinds of like, there's like six different Mongo scenes that aren't in the movie.
1: Nice. Well, speaking of scenes, I think one of my favorite scenes is when he takes himself hostage. I don't know why, but that scene always cracks me up. Because it's
2: amazingly hilarious, that's why.
1: Yeah, I can't think of any of the lines right now. I'm sure Pat could quote it for us. But <laughs> Excuse every time me I see while I whip just, this out. It's so ridiculous, and yet just... It's so funny. That's
4: the surest way to get him killed.
1: <laughs> He's gonna do it. You are so
2: talented. And they are so oh. stupid. Oh.
4: <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I know you'll have the good sense not to talk, tell anybody I talk to you.
2: <laughs> that, I mean...
4: I'm rapidly becoming an underground success in this
2: town. <laughs> all right, so Gene Wilder in this movie. I, I'm assuming that we are all fans of Gene Wilder, just to begin with. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think mean, that's a given.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, I love him, yeah.
1: I going to say, like a prerequisite <laughs> to be part of this show. I didn't right. get a harumph out of that guy. <laughs> harumph, harumph.
4: Yeah, but this <laughs> is my shooting hand.
2: <laughs> I mean, the one of the things about this movie is that it is so incredibly, I think, then and now, over the line, that you can't help but laugh at it. Yeah, you
0: know, as over the line as it was for its time, it's interesting because it's a real sharp take. It's it's a race-based satire, and uh, like the coolest thing about it is is that uh, even though you couldn't get away with making it today, the minorities in the film aren't the punchline. Like, it's very, very clear that the racists are the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like,
4: the whole the whole time they're talking about, you know, we damn near lost a $400 hand cart and all that kind of stuff. You know that they're the imbeciles in the scene.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Absolutely. 100%. You know, and
4: dock him a day's pay for snapping on the job.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. When you were slaves, you sang like birds. Just like, holy shit. I mean, I can't even imagine... What would happen if this was released now? People would literally, there would be people exploding on the street.
1: Well, it depends on who made it, though. If it was a white Jewish man, maybe. Right.
2: Or if it was like Matt, you know, Trey Parker and
4: Matt Stone.
1: Yeah. But if it's a Way Brothers movie, they could get away with it.
0: Well, and part of it is it's sold so well because of the amazing charisma of Cleavon Little.
1: Yeah, well, and that's the thing that that aside from the racism being, you know, a, a like you guys were just saying, I can't put it as succinctly, but the fact that he puts this guy in office and it completely backfires on it and everybody becomes, you know, circles around him and becomes his core group of people. Even the townspeople that are racist at the beginning, you know, by the end everybody's one unit and Mongo becomes his friend and his best friend's, you know, Dean Wilder and and it's just it's a great story in when you take out the comedy, it's still a great story. And I think that's why it has a lot of staying power.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and uh, you are looking at some of the fun and the not so fun aspects of the American West through modern eyes, circa 1970s. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's not something that was dated. It,
2: it's still funny now. And that's, that is <laughs> racist. It, Spans a decades racism. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's not so much the racism; it's the fact of making fun of them. You know, I mean, with with the point where they steal the um, Ku Klux Klan members hoods.
4: Yeah, I mean, the racists are always the butt of the jokes in this movie.
2: Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, and it's and there's and the thing is, there's never any question about it. It's always them. It's always them being the being the ones mocked. Right, and
0: that's the thing: is uh, <laughs> they,
2: they lose me right after the bunker scene.
0: <laughs> I've said a, a lot about how my views have changed to where I, I don't like comedy necessarily that punches down. And despite all of the jokes, where you could say, "Oh, well, there's a ton of racist jokes in Blazing Saddles." Not once does Blazing Saddles punch down.
2: No, not at all. Yeah,
0: it no. is never the powerful making the less powerful the butt of the joke.
1: And see, that's the part when you told us the story about Richard Pryor that, you know, when you when you first said that, I'm like, oh, OK, so he's the one that took the jokes that were there and made them, you know, more poignant or made a point. And yet he's the one who just wrote Mongo and it was all the other white guys in a boardroom or whatever that and, and I'm sure they weren't. I
2: mean, well, I'm I'm sure it wasn't Mel Brooks in a boardroom. I mean, I think it was kind of like right. him getting drunk with his buddies, writing this stuff down. <laughs> So did you know that there was supposed to be an, a Blazing Saddles TV show? Yep. All right. I know that it would have worked. Anyway, right, here we go. So in 1989, this was supposed to star Louis Gossett Jr. In an interview with Entertainment Tonight, he said CBS and Warner Brothers made a deal. The deal was that CBS would get to air Blazing Saddles and any sequels from the movie in exchange for co-producing a TV show. At the time, the Warners wanted to make Blazing Saddles into a comedy series of films, a new one coming out every few years. They wanted to use the model that the Brits had for the for the uh, movies carry on movies. But Mel Brooks had a clause in his contract that said that Warner had to keep producing blazing saddles stories in the movies or TV, or they'd lose the right to make the sequels. The TV show was a way to keep the rights. They didn't have to air it. They just had to keep producing it. So for four years, (laughs) Louis Gossett Jr. spent his winter on a soundstage being paid to be in a show that would never see the light of day just so the Warners could keep the rights to any sequels to Blazing Saddles. It's like a
4: smaller version of the Fantastic Four situation.
2: I know, right? By 1979, they finally figured out the market had changed. So they weren't going to make any sequels, so we were canceled. If a show that was never supposed to be aired can be canceled. <laughs> I would love to see that. I'm sure it's terrible, but I still want to say that I saw it.
4: I, I want to see that one and the one about uh, Hitler's Neighbors.
2: Oh, um,
1: guess who's back?
4: So yeah, I can't remember the name of it.
1: No, um, honey... Uh...
4: Hi,
1: honey. Hi, honey. Honey, I'm home. (sighs) Hi. Holy shit. (laughs) No, I'm back is that Netflix movie thing. Oh, that's a Um, Netflix one where Hitler comes back. I just posted a link in the chat for you guys. and I know this is great radio, but it's uh, the Blazing Saddle TV show called Black Bart, and it has pictures of Louis Gossett Jr. in costume. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's Louis Gossett Jr. in a white hat. That's caps from the show, apparently. Hey. I just I don't know how that would work on a regular basis though because the the thing about the great or the great thing about the film is that it's an encapsulated you know hour and a half of time and it works as a as a you know a a, a small piece but to try and drag that out I think you would lose. No,
4: I, I think they would just turn it into a comedy western you know a, yeah. a comedy version of Bonanza basically.
1: So wait
2: there's there's more on this so Mel Brooks actually. Ex- addressed the existence of the Black Bart TV series and in an interview in 2005. He said, My lawyers, <laughs> bless their souls, came to me and said, Warner Brothers is going to try and take away your control of the movie. Let's put in a crazy condition that says they can't do any sequels unless they make it right away or make a TV show out of it within six months, which is brilliant. They couldn't make a sequel in six months, and the movie was too vulgar to be a TV show. Now, it... W- now, it would air in the family hour if that was still a thing. So the lawyers put that in, never thinking they would ever attempt to make a TV show. And three years later, Warner Brothers comes to me and says they want to make another Blazing Saddles. And I say, no, you don't have the right to do that. They say, yes, we do. We've been making a TV series and still control the rights. He's like, what TV series? I haven't seen a the show. They take me onto the lot into a projection booth, show me three episodes. My lawyers never thought to put that in language that they had to actually air the damn thing only that they had to make it. Well, management changed and they never did a blazing settles too and as far as I know they're still making the stupid show to this day. So,
1: I just posted a link in the chat to the pilot. It's a really clear clear copy that you can see on YouTube. Um and
0: Yeah, you beat me to that by literally a second. I already had it cut. I had not yet pasted.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so
0: this, this will be on the page with the show, or yeah. slightly after we post the show.
2: All right. So there is actually a there's a movie called Blazing Samurai, which huh. mm-hmm, excuse me, which came out in 2000. Coming? Where, when did it come out? I just lost the link. 2000? 2000, oh, it's 2017, and it's animated. Hasn't been released yet. So it's a computer-animated action-adventure comedy inspired by Mel Brooks' 1974 Blazing Saddles. Directed by Chris Bailey, Ed Stone, and Nate Hopper. Ready for this one? Starring Michael Cera, Samuel L. Jackson, Ricky Ricky Gervais, George Takai, Gabriel Iglesias, Demond Hussou, Michelle Yao, and Mel Brooks. Huh. So... I don't know. We'll see I... how that goes. Well, let's see. What's the release date on Blazing Samurai? No, there is none.
1: Yet. <laughs> so it must still be getting ready. Must be done with production and just waiting for a, a release date to be selected. I don't know. I mean, it, it must just be really loosely based on the story.
2: Well, it's got a picture of a cat wearing a samurai, like a sumo thong with a Hello Kitty on the knot.
1: Huh. Yeah, it looks like Garfield ate Heathcliff.
2: I don't understand that. Let's make an homage to Barcliffe. Blazing. Like, <laughs> let's make an homage to Blazing Saddles and make it a kids movie. That's
0: a weird, weird choice. Huh. It's like making a kids' movie out of
4: Team America.
1: That wasn't America. a kid's movie. Heck yeah.
4: <laughs> oh, we gotta put yeah, that Yeah, I mean so just to to make it clear, um, you know, spoilers. I unabashedly, absolutely, hundred percent love this movie. This is uh, literally my number three comedy of all time.
2: What's number one and number two? That's a uh, good question. Oh, the Jerk. Oh, good.
4: Is number one.
2: He hates these cans.
4: <laughs> uh, Princess Bride is number two.
2: Wow. Huh. I would not think Princess Bride would be in your top ten for comedies. Oh my-
0: I love I love it so much. It's so funny. Are you kidding oh, me? Oh yeah, I'm I'm with Pat on this. Princess Bride is in my top five movies of all time. Yeah, I'm
2: not, I mean I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just surprised that it's that it's uh in his top three. I mean seriously.
4: You want to hear the whole ten?
2: Go. Oh boy.
4: Uh, it's okay. It's The Jerk, Princess Bride, Blazing Saddles, Dumb and Dumber, The Hangover, Superbad, Caddyshack, Planes, Trains, Automobiles, Borat, and Anchorman.
1: I, I'm I'm with you on like half of that list, if not. Yeah. I blame you for Dumb and Dumber being in my top ten. Asshole.
2: <laughs> you know what? They're showing Planes, Trains, and Automobiles at the Paramount Theater out here in uh, Aurora just before uh, Thanksgiving. You should come up for Thanksgiving,
1: Pat.
4: I, I I think I literally think Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is probably the most underrated comedy of all time.
1: I don't know that I'd say it's underrated, but we're talking about Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Shut up, Blazing.
4: Mel Brooks loves plays loves playing strange Automobiles*.
2: What's there's a great film? Here's your tie-in. There you go. Okay. Nice. <clears throat> Are we just going to assume that we're all thumbs up on this one?
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think there's anything that could have ruined this. Uh, by re I rewatched it just to make sure, <laughs> but no, like, I still love this film.
2: Yeah, I didn't rewatch it, but it was one of those things like, yeah, I literally saw it not four days before we decided that we were gonna do it. I mean, that's how often it's in my rotation.
1: I don't know. And then I I decided that
2: I was gonna I'm sorry, Joe. Oh, okay.
0: Not everyone at once now. Yeah. (laughs) I was I'm sitting there going, Did I did
4: I just lose connection? What happened?
1: (laughs) No, I was just gonna say I don't think I put it as high as as Pat does in his list, but It's definitely one that I enjoy and I would watch at any given moment, but it's, it's not, it's not quite in the same position as it is for you guys. Why not? I don't know. It just never hit me. I I think it's a great film. And like I said before, I think the, the overall story, um, is just a really great story that has a whole lot of funny shit going on in it, but it, it just, it's not. It doesn't hit my funny bone the same way it does, I guess, with you guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I might like it a little more than Joel, but uh, I, I'll go so far as to say it's not my favorite Mel Brooks movie. Ooh, which one is? Oh, Young Frankenstein. Okay. No question.
4: It's understandable. It's, a, it's probably my my second favorite Mel Brooks movie.
2: So. Oh yeah, and
0: Blazing Settles would be mine.
2: Yeah. Roar, roar, roll, roll in the hay.
0: And this style of comedy doesn't get this – like, you look at the quality of actors for their time. This style of comedy doesn't usually pull uh, those people who are that Mm well-known. It was kind of why I was amazed by when we get to the second half uh, how many big names were in A Million Ways to Die in the West, especially considering it didn't do very well.
2: You know, I got to look that up. I
0: mean –
1: Well, but that's a credit to Mel Brooks. I mean, I think his reputation and he'd worked with a lot of those people either before or since. So, I mean, I think he was able to pull those people because of who he was.
4: I mean, yeah. he's one of those guys for comedy, like Woody Allen is for drama. Like when, when he asks you to be in a movie, it's, it's an honor. And you're like, yeah, fuck yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, Madeline Kahn, actually, one, one of the uh, trivia that I'd put in there Um. She was... I forget what movie she was in. She was in another movie, and she actually started acting worse in there. So she they eventually fired her from that movie, so that way she can transfer over to Blazing Saddles and then still get a percentage of the movie that she used to be in. <laughs> because if she quit, she wouldn't get a percentage, but if they fired her, she would. Which I no. don't understand. That.
4: <laughs> Alright, so... <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, I love that her name is Von Stupp. Because Stupp in, in please. the English
2: fuck. No. Right. Six is my but limit. Just in for
4: case sh- didn't know. I was-
2: yeah. That means sex. Thank you. I was was it was also Guinness? done for $2.6 million and grossed $119.5 in USA. With another yeah. one4 million non-USA. And then just this is this is what's so weird about IMDB gross 119.5 million for USA, 1.4 million for non-USA, 1.4 million for France. Other Hmm. French. Hmm.
0: We have to keep the French separate.
2: Supposedly Uh, it made.
0: Speaking of the French, lest someone correct me about the uh, 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 film never punching down the French mistake scene, which is hilarious to me, does punch down a little.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Wait, I miss wait, wait, which one? Throw out your hands. Stick out
4: your tush. Hands on your head. (laughs) Give a push.
0: Even though it is it is the the most problematic to modernize scene, it might be my favorite
2: part of the movie. (laughs) They got buddy. Get him girls (laughs) that
4: I love when the two guys come out of the tunnel. They go in fighting and they come out arm in arm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. I work for Mel Brooks.
4: <laughs>
2: Not in the face. Not in the face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, Dom, just, Dom DeLuise. I think you're so funny.
1: Just because we keep bringing up uh, Rotten Tomatoes lately. Uh, critics, 90%. Audience, 91%. Nice.
0: That
1: is yeah, a, That seems right. Yeah. All right. Can we...
4: This is no blazing stewardesses, but
2: (laughs) Uh, what is, can we, uh, milk this, uh, bowl any further? No.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was going to go with a more standard because this is a hard movie to talk about since almost anyone who listens to us probably knows it close to as well as we do. And if you don't really go out and watch it. Oh Yeah. So I was gonna egg, like throw the question out: people's favorite bits, but for me that's hard. I mean, it probably, in the final analysis, is the French mistake.
4: <laughs> Mine is easily the William J. LePetamine way. Anybody got a dime? <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone's gonna have to go back to town and get a shitload of dimes.
2: <laughs> Joel, what about you? What's your favorite
1: scene? Like I. Stated earlier, the, the hostage scene where he takes himself hostage this is so incredibly ridiculous, but it works and it, it drives a point home about the racism and
4: and the gullibility of the town.
1: Exactly. How stupid they are. Mm-hmm. And this is
2: going to be strange. Okay. With, I have one definite favorite scene. All right. Is it, is it froggy? No, it's not froggy. It's a <laughs> We'll take. Wanna... Oh yeah. I don't want to uh, say. We don't
0: want the Irish. We don't yeah. want the
2: Irish. You know oh, that.
0: prairie shit.
2: Oh, prairie. I mean, I love that scene. And the other thing is the random insertion of cows in this movie. Right. I mean, when they're in the in the church and the cows get rushed through the middle of the church, and then later on when they're in the theater and the cows are in the background for some reason. And
4: they're, that... they're all sitting in the saloon and they're just cows hanging out mm-hmm. everywhere.
2: The cows are <laughs> some reason for me. I'm just like, that makes me laugh so hard. All right, so we all love this movie. It's near yeah, and dear to our hearts. This,
4: I, I love this movie so uh, for so much and for so long. My original, to this day, uh, eBay username that I opened up the very first uh, year that eBay opened up uh, is Headley Lamar.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Yep. <sighs> all right. <laughs> Well, we will uh, be back in a little bit. Yeah, when we, we are come going. Back,
0: we're going to talk about 2014's A Million Ways to Die in the West. We're going to get a look at Seth MacFarlane's take on the whole Western offensive comedy.
2: Right on. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. All right, we are back. And now, yay! yay for us being back! We are going to talk about a million ways to die in the West, 2014's Seth MacFarlane, Farland's venture, western comedy venture. Yes. Joint. Joint. Yes. So it's written by Seth, directed by Seth MacFarlane. If you don't know who that is, you're listening to the wrong podcast.
0: I think a lot of people know who he is. He's very polarizing.
1: Yes. You yep. think so? I'd say that's accurate.
4: There's not a whole lot of people that nothing him.
1: Right. It's a love hate thing.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: No. All right, I love him.
0: I think I do too. Which, like, I think a lot of the people have made up their mind about him before they've seen some of the stuff he does, and uh, are, are they prejudge it because they know he was involved?
1: True. I, I would say yes.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He's a very, very talented guy, mm-hmm. and uh, whether you love him or hate him, you can't deny that he's got talent.
3: I, have I yet...
4: mean, he, write, he writes funny jokes. He writes great songs that are still, you know, that are funny. I mean, I think his satire is on on par with, you know, the South Park guys. I
2: yeah. I, I mean,
1: he can sing. I he can act.
4: Yeah, I'm a fan of his of his work.
2: I have yet to watch the Orville, but it is definitely on my list of things to see.
0: I, I actually, it's funny you bring that up because I am a fan of the Orville, and uh, in a lot of ways, some of the criticisms I hear about a million ways to die in the West uh, apply equally to the Orville, where people are expecting a family guy or Ted in space or a family guy or Ted in the old West. And when they're actually trying to tell serious elements of a story along with the jokes and it's not just a joke a minute like it is in Ted or Family Guy people there. don't necessarily get what they expected and pan the movie for it
2: right so let's let's go over the writing credits on this one so it's Seth MacFarlane Alex Silkin and Wellesley 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 Wilde
4: Wellesley Wilde yeah Yes.
2: Yeah, so um all of them known for Ted, Family Guy, and A Million Ways to Die in the West. <laughs> I'd like to say there's more to it than, but no, this is just his writing team. Yeah. Much, yeah. Uh, this uh, stars Seth MacFarlane as Albert, Charlize Theron as Anna, Amanda Seyfried as Louise, Liam Neeson as Clinch, Giovanni Ribisi—I can't—I can't say it, Giovanni Ribisi—Ribisi Ribisi. Ribisi. Ribisi as Edward, Neil Patrick Harris as Foy. Sarah Silverman as Ruth. Alex Borstein as Millie. Christopher Lloyd as Doc Brown. And Gilbert Gottfried as Abra- Abraham Lincoln. Abraham.
4: <laughs> I was just saying, you can't pronounce Abraham Lincoln, Mike.
2: Abraham I have literally just drank a bottle of <laughs> wine. So... Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <clears throat> and then some uh, cameos of Ewan McGregor as the Cowboy at the Fair. Ryan Reynolds as Man Killed in by Clinch in the Bar. And Jamie Foxx as Django. Because the D is silent.
1: Reprising his role from Quentin Tarantino's film.
2: Yes. Yep. Um, some trivia on this one. Charlize Theron had to wear a wig for this movie, as that her head was buzz. She had a buzz cut from Mad Max, where she played uh, Furiosa. I
1: thought that was a nice tie-in to a previous
2: show. Yes, that's yeah, cool. Which is another awesome movie, but. Uh... <clears throat> Stephen Foster published a song in 1864 <laughs> called If You've Only Got a Mustache. The lyrics were rewritten especially for this movie.
4: That's, that's amazing. Awesome.
2: Holy shit. That is like the biggest callback we have ever had in this show.
4: Oh, that's so good. I'm Stephen fucking a
0: mustache.
1: Foster. A mustache.
0: There's only three songs and all written by Stephen Foster.
2: <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> Stephen Foster. Man, what else? What else did he do? Popular songs, my old Kentucky, Camp
4: Town, the camp town Lady, for instance. The <laughs> do-dar, Camp Town do-dar. Lady. <laughs>
2: do dar, do dar. Um. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Wintry
4: all night,
2: to all day. I'm sorry, we're we're calling back to Blazing Saddles. We're, we should not do that. I mean, we totally should, but at the same time, we have to move the show along. Um, Some other trivia on this one. Uh, Liam Neeson plays an antagonistic outlaw cowboy. In Seth MacFarlane's earlier work, Family Guy, Prick Up Your Ears, in 2006, Peter Griffin jokes that without his knowledge, his kids will be as hopeless as Liam Neeson playing an American cowboy. Nice. Now, when was this made? 2014? Nice. Again. Another awesome callback. Not as great as the Stephen Foster one, but still. The final line of this movie by Django, played by Jamie Foxx, after the credits, is a reference to Blazing Saddles. Bring me one of those white women. <clears throat> <laughs> that is a extended version of, where the white women at? <laughs> so, uh, the DeLorean Time Machine replica in Christopher Lloyd's cameo was bought and customized. By Seth MacFarlane in 2010, because if you had Seth MacFarlane's money, why, why would you not? All right, let's jump into this one.
1: So I have to say from the get go that I, I I like this movie. I uh, I saw it about three months ago um, when I was home one day, and I I laughed my ass off. And I watched the the unedited or the unrated version. For this week and i'm starting to become less and less of a fan of this whole unrated trend because it doesn't work as well and i'm hoping you guys took my advice
0: no i watched the unrated because i'd seen it
1: before oh you'd seen it okay yeah
0: yeah this was my first watching of it i had no <clears> expectations going in and i watched the theatrical cut of course that was the only option because i didn't realize until too late that it wasn't on any of the streaming services that i Pay fees for, so I had to rent it. Mm. So, yeah, theatrical version was the only option for me.
2: So, this ran with a budget of $40 million, which is honestly pretty low considering who you have in this movie. I mean, Liam's pretty
4: high for a a Western comedy.
1: That's true. (laughs) Right. There's not a lot of market for Western comedies these days. (laughs) I know. Uh, opening weekend,
2: it did seventeen point six nine million in three thousand one hundred fifty eight screens. Um, it did one, 17.116 million in Hungary. Huh. IMDb. But the important
4: question is, what did it do in France?
2: Uh, it has nothing for France. I don't know why it suddenly sw- IMDb suddenly switched from France to Hungary. But that sounds like a
0: French mistake. <laughs>
4: that's better than my joke i was gonna make a lunchtime joke
2: so worldwide this is 85.9 million dollars as of october 2014
0: well at least he's made money on it yeah yeah i mean maybe not with uh the uh marketing you never know if that's included in the budget i'm guessing it probably wasn't
2: true so This is the first time I've seen this. Josh, I think you and I are the uh, first ones that uh, saw this. Yeah, we're the only ones that hadn't seen it before the show. Okay. I don't know what I was expecting walking into this. I mean, I, I I, can't say this is one of the few movies that I've had no expectations for whatsoever.
1: <laughs> um, Which is probably the right way to watch it, to be honest with you. I agree. Mm-hmm. That's I've I heard
0: watched. some not-so-great things about it, uh, but I uh, gave those things kind of a big grain of salt and just tried
2: to walk in blank. And I did I did like you did, Josh. I rented it. I remember, yeah, I got it from the library. I watched it with open eyes. that's like clear everything you've heard about this movie. Throw it out. And let's see what this is. And I have to say... I was pleasantly surprised. I'm right there with you. I have, to, you know, Seth MacFarlane, while he was not the the best actor in the bunch, I think, honestly, Liam Neeson acted circles around him and uh, Neil Patrick Harris, of course, acted <laughs> circles around him. I think Seth was a great everyman hero. Charlize Theron did a great job. Amanda Seyfried and her eyes did a wonderful job. <laughs> I, I, I was not disappointed by anybody in this movie, but at the same time, it, it was like a love letter to Blazing Saddles.
1: For sure. And that's why I recommended it after I'd seen it, because it felt like the analog to it in so many ways. And after seeing them back to back and we talked about this earlier before the show, but even the opening credits are very, very similar. Oh, yeah. The, the, the wording, the letter, uh, font that they used.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: font, and
2: uh, oh, to call back to a trivia from the Blazing Saddles, the I forget who the singer was for the original one, is that they told him, they were like, hey, sing this, but they never told him that it was actually a comedy because they didn't want him to like he- not be serious on it, so...
4: They no. want him to ham it up.
2: Right, exactly. So it's one of those where that was, that was
4: him not hemming it up.
2: That was him not hemming <laughs> it up. That is exactly the way he sings. He, he rode a blazing saddle. Yeah,
4: hey, what would he have done if he told him like like really build it up?
2: <laughs> I I have no idea. I I can't even imagine. Right. So going on to a million ways. This yeah, one. I,
0: if the original was the view of the problems of the Old West through the lens of the 70s, this is a slightly different take. This isn't a race satire, but it's a satire of how shitty life was through the lens of <clears throat> modern day, looking back at the Old West.
1: And how
4: not pc it was.
1: Well, and I read uh, some things on this before the show that uh, that's how the whole genesis of the movie happened, is that Seth MacFarlane was sitting around with with his buddies talking about how shitty it was and how many ways you could die in the Old West. And they just kind of took it and just ran with it and and turned it into a movie.
2: They're still going to use the ice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That went went so so quick.
2: (laughs) I mean, that Okay, I will have to say I was not expecting so much gore in this movie. (laughs) And that ice
0: block effect was on point.
1: Oh, my God. That was amazing. I think the only real criticism I have, if I'm going to uh, picknets, is the uh, the Patrick Stewart dream sequence with the sheep. <laughs> That's the only part that I was like, wait, okay, all right. I mean, I didn't hate it, but it was the one part that I was like, okay, this is a little odd.
0: Well, it also had pretty clear nods, and this is something that uh, Sarah actually uh, pointed out after having noticed it. The dream sequence uh, was a direct reference to Salvador Dali painting.
4: Huh.
2: Oh. I honestly thought it was a direct reference to a Beatles um magical mystery tour. There's,
4: yeah, the the Dolly painting with the door, right? Yeah, I one, don't remember do you know what you talking of about. It. Yeah.
0: Uh but yeah, it's it didn't make it into our trivia, but uh Oh no, is that a
4: McGreet painting? i i might be thinking of a Magritte painting, never mind. anyone anyway, sorry. Ah, the Magritte.
0: Yeah, The Temptation of St. Anthony is the name of the painting. That's the reason I couldn't remember it, because it's not one of his really well-known ones.
1: Well, and um, just because we were talking about it, I have the page still up. uh, But, uh, (laughs) excuse me, the whole Rotten Tomatoes thing that we've been kind of, well, I've been seeming to carry on, even though nobody else really probably cares. Oh, Um, (laughs) I care. Where did it go? I, I just care had it up I so
2: much.
3: <laughs>
2: anyway, it's in the Nine West. Uh, here we go. 33 and 40. Yep. And I don't get it. I mean, I really enjoyed watching this movie. And that, I mean, for what I was expecting, I I got so much more.
4: This movie, for some reason, and I think it's the Seth MacFarlane effect, gets a lot more grief and static than it should. It's It's a... It's a tight comedy. I mean, there's a lot of really, you know, really funny stuff in it.
2: The only thing I can say about Seth MacFarlane's comedy is he is, and now it's true also in like Family Guy and the other things that he does is he is like the huge arrow pointing at this is the joke.
4: Yeah, there's no subtlety to, to Seth MacFarlane at all.
2: No, 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 not at all. I mean, he's not subtle at all. I mean, and
4: well, there's there's very little subtlety to Mel Brooks either.
2: That's true, I mean, but at the same time, it's like
4: there is some subtlety to Mel Brooks, but it's it's definitely not as bad as Seth MacFarlane.
2: No, no, no. Um, one of the one of the jokes that came across that I was like, you, you're, I mean, one the poop in the hat joke. <laughs> Was just like we don't need to see it. We know what's going on. We don't need to see a big hat tipping over full of shit.
4: Yeah, but the, the I will say the one scene where he keeps reaching for the guy's hat and he keeps slapping it away. Oh, that was hilarious.
2: That was hilarious. <laughs> I probably
0: could have done without <clears throat> the sheep peeing on his face.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was not needed. You know, I mean, there, he does dwell a little too much in toilet humor, and that's and I can understand why some people don't like him for that. But he, I mean, he he does, he does he's he does write some smart stuff you know, along with that.
2: No, no, no. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I love his, when he starts ranting about, can you, I mean, about dying. You know, there's so many, like, nice little subtle jokes. Like, when he, all right, when, um, what's her name? So, uh, Sarah Silverman comes downstairs and she's got the cum on her face and he and uh, Giovanni wipes it off.
3: Yeah.
2: And he's got it stuck to his fingers and the two gay guys in the car are like, oh, they're so friendly! You know, yeah. that sort of thing. I mean, that was, that was that cool. That was
4: a cameo, too, by the way. Uh, Who was that? that was, yeah, that was. Uh, all of a sudden, I can't think of his name. Um, he's a frequent uh, actor in a lot of comedies and a lot of Christopher Guest stuff. Um,
2: or will you think
1: about it? Guy Fieri.
4: No. Damn it.
1: What? <laughs> what? <his name? laughs> Guy Pierce.
4: Oh, it's going to drive me nuts.
1: Pierce Brosnan. Bronson Pinchot. Nice. I
2: can't do anything with Pinchot, though. I can't I can't carry that <laughs> Charles along. Charles Bronson. Ooh. So, what were we talking about? Oh, I mean, he had the subtlety of that joke. Like, that was very Mel Brooks-ish. Where he... Can't... I'm going... This is one of the few sentences I'm never going to say again in my life. Where he can't get the cum rag off, his, off of his fingers.
4: <laughs> John Michael Higgins.
2: Yes, him. And they're waving back at him. But at the same time, when Sarah Silverman does the anal sex joke and she's like you know like, oh here sit down next to me oh no,
4: i'm gonna arrest my asshole i'm gonna arrest
2: my <laughs> asshole and it was like you know it, it would i think personally i think it would have been so much funnier if she was just like nah i'm good yeah but i mean
0: part of that is you cast sarah silverman knowing what you're getting right and that's her style
2: yeah yeah so you cast sarah silverman knowing that you're getting shit
0: Oh, see, we no, uh, yeah. completely. Yeah,
2: I may be the only one out of you. I cannot stand Sarah Silverman. It's like chewing tinfoil to me. Oh, I no, love I Sarah love Silverman. That, yeah, me too. I, yeah, no.
4: I find her very funny.
2: I find her funny when somebody has handed her a good script.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the whole the whole thing went like, "No, we haven't had sex. We haven't slept together. <laughs> uh, we're Christians. We don't. We're not gonna. We're gonna wait." <laughs> I thought it was funny.
0: No, oh. yeah, no, I thought it was a good bit.
2: No, but, I, it, it was. I mean, it was a good bit. I mean, it was a good run. And you know what the thing is? It was a running gag. They they cashed in it in on it in the very beginning, and they wrote it out all the way to the very end, even up into, please don't kill us during sex night, yeah. <laughs> which was pretty damn funny. Um. I, just,
4: I mean, Giovanni Robisi is just a funny guy. I mean, he he's a, he's a very good uh, actor, and he can also play comedy really well. He he was great on his little run on on Friends as Phoebe's brother. Mm-hmm. And he would uh, his you know his role in Ted and his you know I mean he just <clears throat> when when he does that little dance like he was doing <laughs> that just it cracks me up every single time. He was oh he was also on My Name Is Earl.
2: Yep, and he is currently all right ready for this. He is currently set on IMDb. Avatar as Parker Selfridge, Avatar 2 2020, Avatar 3 2021, Avatar 4 2024, and Avatar 5 2025. We got sucked into the Avatar machine. Nom 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 nom. That sucks. I wish I can get sucked into the Avatar machine. Seriously. Right?
4: Oh, I mean, good for him and his pocketbook, but it sucks for—he's not going to have any other roles for a while. Yeah, because he's so funny.
1: Oh, he, and he's he's actually a, a he's a good actor in general, not just in comedy. Yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, he would uh, he was in Saving Private Ryan, wasn't he?
2: He yep. was in Highway to Heaven and Simon and Simon.
4: Uh, that doesn't sound right.
2: I'm looking at it right now.
4: <laughs> he must have been on Simon and Simon as a kid. That's funny. Yeah,
2: 1985, the skull of Nostradamus. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't remember that being. <laughs> I'm getting a raging clue over here. <laughs> Gosh. God, the weirdest boner right now. But anyway, wow. a million ways to die and it was okay, favorite scene. Oh mm-hmm. shit.
0: Probably the biggest laugh uh that I got out of the whole movie was uh when uh he's speaking the uh Native American language and slips in a random Mila Kunis.
4: Yeah, Mila Kunis <laughs> means fine. Yeah. <laughs> that
1: was fantastic. Um, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Son of a bitch! I should have been more prepared. You should have.
4: There, there were, I mean, there was a lot of interaction between uh, Albert and Anna that felt like it was just really natural chemistry between Seth and Charlize. Like it felt like, because like one of my complaints I've always had in a lot of movies and a lot of TV shows and stuff is like people say funny stuff, but nobody around them ever reacts or laughs to it. They just, oh yeah, you know, and they move on to the next funny thing. And there were several scenes between the two of them where he would say something funny and she would genuinely
2: laugh.
4: I mean, the whole time when they're like training and everything and the, the, the chemistry between the two of them were times that actually made me some of the things they said actually made me laugh. I, so
2: I have to say them. one of the funniest scenes was when they were sitting up together on the plateau and the rattlesnake showed up and they're both doing the whole.
3: Don't oh, move. Mm. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> that was um, funny. <clears throat> oh, Sorry.
4: She's like, but I got, I got a terrific rack or whatever. <laughs> Great tits.
3: Yeah.
1: The uh, the bar fight when the all hell breaks loose and Giovanni and. Oh, yeah. oh my other. God. Yeah, that was fantastic.
2: We, we got our own thing going over here.
1: No need to come over here. We're hurting each other way worse than you guys are hurting yourselves.
2: My <laughs> God, you actually hit me. I thought I'd throw <laughs> something new in. That's why we have these weekly meetings.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what sold the joke is that that line right there.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that is. I I liked his humor, but I think so many times, I mean, the, between every one of those jokes, there were so many jokes that was like holding up the great big sign saying, "This is a joke."
4: Yeah, it. I mean, he he his humor does it gets a little too self retro self referential, and he he does a little too much like stare at the camera. And wink kind of humor.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other things that just cracked me up was the deadpan Charlie Theron saying uh, people die at the fair.
2: Yeah, that was a good one, too. Though I do have to say the biggest laugh for myself was in Gilbert Gottfried was doing Abraham Lincoln and he turns to his name. I don't think this is really Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> that was hilarious because one, I love Gilbert Gottfried. That's a dirty secret of mine.
0: I kind of hate him, but that scene was funny.
2: Good. I'm glad we (laughs) agree
4: And Neil Patrick Harris was just great in every scene as usual. Yeah. Uh, He he just was so funny as the foppish mustachioed guy.
1: (laughs) Well, he's just so damn charismatic. I mean, you can't not like him when he's on the screen.
2: Yep. I bet I can outdrink you too. <laughs> I mean, the whole, I mean, the whole setup with him, I mean, honestly, every scene that he was in, I agree with you. He was fantastic because he's Neil Patrick Harris.
1: <laughs> Pretty much.
2: Yeah. And of
0: course the cameos and the little winks and nods here and there uh, were awesome. I also like the, the joke that made me the most uncomfortable with the shooting gallery Oh yeah. Was paid off and justified with the Django cameo at the end. I was like, okay, now yeah. this joke is back in the okay column for me now. Yep. And of course, after he shoots the guy with the runaway slave shooting gallery, he says, People die at the fair.
2: Yep. And that's I you know what it's almost Jamie tossing Jamie Foxx in at the end is almost like throwing Richard Pryor in on the writing credits. <laughs> Look, we've got a Negro here. It's all cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the thing is, is you take that character and Django Unchained is very much not not a comedy. And then throwing him in here and then putting him up against the most blatantly racist character. It was just a real nice moment. I thought it was actually, in some ways, a more clever cameo than the Doc Brown one
4: yeah the doc brown one just felt too unnatural and shoot in
2: well and it
1: got spoiled in the trailers
2: that i think is part of it i agree with you on that joel is that the the trailers showed doc brown being in the movie and that was that should have never been i mean definitely a bad call for the trailers although i
0: actually hadn't seen the trailer with doc brown in it
2: yeah Me, me either I I had seen the trailer with Doc Brown in it before. I knew it was coming. Suzanne, she was sitting and watching with me, and she had not seen it. And that, for her reaction, I think is exactly what they were looking for. Because she was like, holy shit, that's awesome. You know, I mean, that's exactly what I think Seth Green was going for in that one. And unfortunately, somebody... Seth Green? Seth McFarland. There's a lot of (laughs) Seths being tossed around in this show, so shut the fuck up. Um... (laughs) i think that's a show god damn it um no so i think his idea for having that brief cameo in the movie was fantastic and i one of the things that suzanne actually pointed out to me was the giant block of ice was for doc remember he has he has his refrigerator that he has to keep going in the uh oh that's a good catch yeah so I was like, oh, very awesome. But yeah, she, the giant block of ice was for her, was for him, I mean. And I think the if they did not have Doc Brown at all in the previews, at all in the trailers, I think it would have been a better, more effective uh, cameo.
0: Yeah, and I don't necessarily think it was a bad one. I, I just thought it was more, oh, okay, yeah, of course you're going to do that. And the Django
2: one floored me. I would agree with both of those, yeah. Yes. He agrees favorite scene we talked about that all right then.
0: <laughs> uh, another surprise. I had never actually appreciated uh, Alex Borstein. I'd only ever seen her on Mad TV as the he'll look like a man lady, and uh, she's uh the voice of Lois Griffin, and she was the madam
2: in uh in this mm-hmm. That was actually pretty damn funny. Don't yeah. I have a great boyfriend? I don't know, just, I honestly have no fucking idea <laughs> that was fantastic um which which also led into the great running gag of that whole that whole situation between the two of them, so all in all, I have to say, I enjoy this movie.
4: It gets a lot of hate, it doesn't deserve that's for yeah sure.
2: exactly.
0: I, I'm seeing that the hating on Seth McFarlane because he's Seth MacFarlane, and he had a really cringy and needlessly offensive oscar hosting night I, I think some people are like i'm never forgiving him for that so if he's associated with it it's shit and million ways to die in the west caught that and the orville's currently catching it from a certain segment of the population
2: i have heard it, orville uh, is actually a 50 50 emmy also I, I mean, not that I watch it, don't want to watch it. I do want to watch it, but I don't see anybody that's kind of like, eh, it's okay. It's either I love it or hate it.
0: Absolutely. And I two friends whose opinions I generally respect on media within hours of each other, one posted the I love it review and one posted the I hate it review. Hmm. And uh, it, it's another one like this where if you go into it expecting Family Guy in space – you're not going to get it. Uh, the Orville is Star Trek, only instead of the elite cream of the crop running the best ship in the fleet, you've got the fuck-ups.
1: Yeah. We could do that show versus Galaxy Quest.
2: Ooh. Oh, oh I like the way you think, boy. <laughs> Merry Christmas.
0: Oh, so man. are we ready to move to thumbs up, thumbs down, or have we got any more to say?
4: I, I think from the tone of the show, it's going to be another one of our rare all yep.
1: eight thumbs up now yep. i can afford to buy that bell for church <laughs> yeah it was a thumbs up for me when i first saw it and uh i i eventually bought it just cuz i enjoyed it so much so definitely thumbs up
2: yeah thumbs up for me but unfortunately i mean i would say unfortunately but it's never going to f- fill that blazing saddles position it's definitely in the same category as it, but it's never going to be as good as it.
0: For sure. I, I don't think any of us would disagree with that statement. I think we all liked it, but none of us thought it was better than Blazing Saddles. Agree. Well.
1: Four thumbs up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Eight four thum- thumbs up. Obviously, we're all very pro Blazing Saddles. So And all pro McFarlane.
2: So uh, what do we have on tap for next week, gentlemen? I have no idea
1: movie soundtracks
2: movie soundtracks yes all right so. uh, if
0: you uh, have something to say about either blazing cells or a million ways to die in the west you can let us know at 708 uh, now wrap that's 708-669-9727
2: yes and i have something that i'm supposed to be saying here but i accidentally closed the tab and unfortunately i don't know why but uh chrome just keeps opening alex borstein IMDB. <laughs>
0: well, Mike would like to let you know if you want to check out our old shows on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, Noon FM, other fine podcasting directories. That's where you can find them.
2: Alex Borstein all over the place here. I didn't realize I clicked on her name that many times. Um, so, yeah, so come back next week. We're talking about soundtracks of movies, and this is not the orchestrated soundtracks. This is soundtracks that include rock bands and music. Uh, songs and stuff so yeah definitely soundtracks and not scores yes that's the word I was looking for and we already
0: did our
4: our
2: picks right yeah yep and I totally remember them yeah where would that be that would be in the show One more
1: fun little bit of a thing I just noticed online today would have been Hedy Lamar's 103rd birthday (laughs) Hedley thank you
2: um
4: what are you worried about this is 1842 you can sue her
2: there is a, a suing thing about that, but there is something about Hedley, Hedy Lamar Hang on, hang on. Uh, inventor. Okay, ready for this?
4: Oh yeah, this is a great fact.
2: Okay, ready. ready for this? Blow your mind. Although Lamar had no formal training, was primarily self-taught. She worked in her spare time on various hobbies and inventions, which including included an imp- improved traffic stoplight and a tablet that would dissolve in water to create a carbonated drink. The beverage was unsuccessful, though Lamar herself said it tasted like Alka-Seltzer. Among the few that knew of Lamar's inventiveness was Howard Hughes. She discussed her relationship with Hughes during an interview, saying that while she da- they dated, he supported her hobbies, her tinkering hobbies. During World War II, Hedley Lamar learned that radio-controlled torpedoes, which could be important in naval war, could be easily jammed, thereby causing the torpedo to go off course. With the knowledge she had gained about torpedoes from her first husband, she thought about creating a frequency-hopping signal that could not be tracked or jammed. She contacted her friend and composer George Anthill, to develop her device. That, by doing that, succeeded by synchronizing a miniature player piano mechanism with radio signals. Basically, she set the foundation for Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth.
4: Yeah, and data encryption.
2: Yeah. Yep. Holy shit.
4: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it
2: was just like. I this, this,
4: this random, like, C-list celebrity from the 1950s and 60s. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Though...
4: Her, her biggest contribution was not her acting.
2: Yeah. She basically, I mean, the, set the whole concept of, of of everything that we use in every moment of our day right now. Mm-hmm. So, Hedley Lamar, I'm toasting you. Heddy. Heddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hedley. Heddy. Heddy Lamar. Which she actually did sue, by the way. Um, go look it up; it's true.
4: Finish your toast. You were toasting her.
2: Thank you for all that you have done, and all <laughs> our Wi-Fi and I didn't Bluetooth mean you needs. You there, sorry. Yes, that's all I got. Oh
4: my God! Should we say goodbye?
2: Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, what a what a fun sign-off to the end of a good show. <laughs> You want more Hedy Lamar Facts?
2: <laughs> You've been subscribed to Hedy Lamar Facts. <laughs> Hip cop. Hedy Lamar started her career in Gold in the Street, <laughs> playing a young girl, leading actor by George Alexander in
4: 1930.
2: Unsubscribed from Hetty Facts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do it. Step into the world
4: of power, loyalty,